Hello, it's David here. Just want to jump on before the episode starts to give a bit of a heads up. Later in the episode, I say, hey, my uh, chat with Christian O'Connell is out now. Go find it in your feed. Give it a listen. Well, a couple of weeks ago when we recorded this episode, I did expect that that interview would be out by now, but egg on my face, it's not. Uh, Christian has agreed to the chat, but subsequent emails to organize an actual time have proved a little bit more tricky, but, you know, fair enough. He does a radio show every day in Melbourne. He's got a brand new book out, No One Listens to Your Dad's Show, which is available now. Go get it. Go check it out. Uh, and also, he has his own life to live. So, fair enough. I'm going to keep working on that, and hopefully that interview will come out sooner rather than later. In the meantime, enjoy the show. I do apologize for the slight knocking sound in the background. I think that was me fiddling with one of the wires or something. The technical side, not a real strong suit of mine. Zach and I are both radio presenters. We're not radio engineers, though. Um, But here's my promise to you. We will get better at that. This episode, we were just sitting around my kitchen table talking into one microphone. So uh, it's not completely ideal, but I think and hope it is still listenable. And I think and hope you will enjoy it. All right, let's get on with it. Welcome to the Carly Built Pilk Boys podcast. I'm David Ferrier. I'm Zach Nander. And we are two radio boys from Australia talking about the greatest, laziest run of radio shows in the history of broadcast. The Ricky Gervais Show on XFM London in the early 2000s. I've been a devoted listener for well over a decade. This is Zach's first time. So we're going through each show week by week to try to work out what makes it so special and why people are still listening to it all these years later. Today's show, Series 1, Episode 3, a.k.a. Steve's Birthday Show, first broadcast Saturday the 24th of November 2001. Zach, this is a detail I only just realised. It's the 20th anniversary. This year. Of these shows. Oh, and that's why we're doing it, of course. Yes, we that's thought about idea, that ahead of time. The whole idea of this show is 20 years on, looking back on this. We've <laughs> only chosen to mention it now in the third episode. Because we feel like it's a detail that only devoted fans should know. Yeah. Devoted listeners. If you've got this far, you deserve to know that uh, 2021 is 20 years after 2001. I like to... I, I, I'm always wanting to try new segments with this show. Mm-hmm. So, please, if you if any pop up, you think, hey, that could be sort of a segment, uh, let me know. One thing I want to do is search what the news was from the day of the broadcast. Okay. So, I've searched UK News, 24th of November 2001... And uh, the only story that seemed sort of remotely interesting was that an, uh, a former East Ender star revealed that she harboured an ambition to be a stripper. <laughs> Martine McCutcheon said she used to practice her moves when she was younger because she craved the glamour. Anyway, that's the end of this first segment of what was in the news that day. It probably won't return. Uh, <laughs> um. Zach, this episode is all about Steve Merchant. Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? His 27th birthday. I was shocked by that. I thought they were joking at the start. Like, of course, 20 years ago, they had to be younger. But they've both been the same age in my head for eternity. 27 is so young. So is Ricky... He's older, right? He's around 41, 42. In in this show? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. 
Wow, I've always assumed that they must be similar in age. So he's significantly older. Yeah, yeah. He didn't start to gain any sort of momentum until he was around like 37, 38 when he did the 11 o'clock show. Wow. Okay, so... Do you know he was a like a pop star, like a failed yes, pop star? Yes, I have. Yeah, shown a dancing. That. Well, what do you mean failed? He had a hit, didn't he? <sighs> failed in the sense he didn't become David Bowie, which is right. who, who he really modelled himself after. But you're right, that's an unkind way to put it. <laughs> He was a pop star uh, when he was younger. So then 20 years on, is Ricky 60 now? About that now, yeah. Wow. I'll talk amongst yourselves. I'll, I'll look it up. As of recording this podcast, Ricky Gervais is 59. He turns 60 very shortly. We should do a birthday show. That would be good. Or what we could do is we could... Realise when his birthday is three episodes later, like we did, realising that this is 20 years since. Speaking of three episodes later, I got the email address. So you can now officially contact oh. us, carlypilkboyspod at gmail.com. Questions, comments, I know there's a big community out there of people who still listen to these shows, so get in touch. It's interesting, This uh, I had always assumed, I guess because I assume... I guess in schooling, you're grouped with people your age. So when you're young and you're coming up with uh, creative endeavours, you're usually with people similar age to you. So I've always assumed that Ricky and Steve were the same age. But they're really... There's a different dynamic there, isn't it? Oh, massively, yeah. They're different generations. Yeah. But that doesn't really come up that often, does it? No, never. And in fact, I'm going to look up how old Steve Merchant is. Well, if he was 27... In 2001. <laughs> okay, so that's it's not, plus 20 years. Yeah. You, uh, why do you have your phone out? Is it that complicated? He's 46. Oh, there we go. Okay, so 24th of November, yeah. 2021, yeah. he'll be 47. That's how age works, everyone. Yeah. Get around it. Uh, so I've been recently listening, because we've been listening to these early episodes, I've then gone back to more later stuff, like the podcast stuff. Yeah. And as I think I mentioned before... Ricky is just has such a meaner edge in the later podcast episodes, and Steve basically has retreated completely. It's so opposite to these early episodes where, where like Steve is really like getting in there and he's volleying stuff. In the podcast, he becomes much more of a uh, just there to like add on to things and to put things to Carl. And Ricky just says like the, I, I clicked just randomly into a podcast and and um. Ricky's calling Carl a round-headed buffoon with a head like a fucking orange. He would never call him a round-headed buffoon with a head like a fucking orange on this, the third episode. Well, Steve even, I think, I don't know if Ricky tells a story. I think... No, I think Steve, all it, Steve. He drives all of it. On his birthday as well. I mean, give him a bit of time off, Yeah, Ricky. Come on. Say, come in on your birthday. I'll do all the heavy lifting. I'll tell the stories. You just need to chip in a little bit. But he has to come in and tell stories on his birthday? Well, this is one of the shows where they admit at the end that it was a really bad show, (laughs) which I really like. Uh, There's a drinking game in the comments below the YouTube video, which we both watched this. We watched the Man Moth uh, versions that have been uploaded. Drinking game. Thank you, Brownie. Take a shot every time Steve says, that's true enough, man alive or arbitrary. Uh, so Carl starts with an insult to Steve on his birthday. If you're 27 today, that means last week you were 26. And he genuinely tries to make Ricky understand 
what he's trying to say, which is a feature of these early ones. I understood what he meant. I get it. He's, he's saying, the whole time I've known you, you've been younger than 27? Yeah. That's unbelievable. So he obviously looks a lot older and and puts across a lot older than uh, how he come, how reality reflects. 26 and they'd already done the first series of The Office. This after The Office. This So they returned for these ones after the first series of The Office. And so was he, what's he credited as? He's a co-creator, co-creator, co-writer, co-director. See, no one really talks about Stephen Merchant in the same... You know, he's Ricky's offsider, but I mean, they're they're one and two there. It's not with Stephen Merchant, it's and Stephen Merchant on The Office. Yeah, Ricky has the creative genius uh, uniqueness. But I think Steve is a much better comedic practitioner. Hmm. Similar to in Seinfeld, Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. I feel like each of them on their own have never been as good. You have you have someone who's super uh, pessimistic and maybe bitter and sarcastic in Larry David. And then Jerry's personal- personality kind of makes it... Uh, accessible to the every person mm. and so like um and that's how they come together and they both do great things on their own but never to the same degree and in a similar way i don't know if steve and ricky are the same you know does does steve kind of make ricky a bit more accessible take that edge off him well i think he puts he puts a more more of a structure around him because uh, if you watch derek and afterlife they're just not well written right. as sort of like a structured story. Mm. Whereas uh, when Steve went off and made his show, Hello Ladies, he did admittedly hook up with someone like the U- the US office people to help write it. Yeah. But it's just, it's a very well-structured sitcom comedy. Um, and I think that that is definitely, it's, Ricky's more indulgent without Steve, mm-hmm. I think. Steve brings up uh, his dad's bad gifts, including the wartime speeches of Winston <laughs> Churchill on cassette. Uh, and what does his never dad forget say? Steve. Never forget. Never forget, Steve. <laughs> but, but I don't know about you, Zach. I'm with Carl. I don't think I've ever received a gift just from my dad. Hmm. I had assumed his mother and father weren't together. No, they are. They are. Yeah. Okay, so each of these parents... Gets him a gift, they, they even though they're, they're, they're happily married. They must have. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Well, because he also tells... is it In this one, he tells the story about the presents he got his... Uh, Steve's mum, the the tin of coffee. She loves coffee, Steve. And the <laughs> that's rake, right, that's the, right. Yeah, yes, yeah. He, does, he does tell that. Uh, no, I've only got presents uh, from both my parents. Um, and, and never as bad as wartime speeches. Does... I don't know. I think my dad would enjoy that for himself. And maybe, you know how sometimes people give presents that they actually want themselves? Maybe yeah. that's what Steve's dad's doing. Yeah. The thing about the shed. Did you notice that point where Ricky says, can you tell the thing about the shed? I loved that. And because, Steve says, no, it's cause it, too complicated. Because I don't think it's because it's too complicated. This comes up later. This is my guess, though, right? I've, I don't okay. know if it comes up later. 
I don't think it is too complicated. To me, that sounded like someone who didn't want to tell that story and needed to think up an excuse real fast. You know, because it sounded like that that was not an appropriate story to tell and that someone might get upset with it. And he knew that it wouldn't be questioned if he said it was too complicated. But it might be questioned if he said, no, nah, my dad doesn't want that told because Ricky might go, nah, tell it, nah, tell it. If what uh, the what I've found in the U- in the comments, of course, I'm trawling through the YouTube comments before, below each of these ep- all of these episodes... If this is an accurate description of what it's about, you're spot on. Okay. First of all, I want to ask, though, on your radio show, have you ever done something where you throw to Dom and or you throw to something which you think will start on a great run and it's shut down? I had almost the exact same thing happen to me where we had a... we Because you know your announcer off-air, you have private conversations... And sometimes there's a bit of... uh, It's not super clear what's allowed to be said on air or not. And my co-host once threw to a story that I was not and did not intend to tell on air uh, where I said, oh, something crazy happened to me on the road. And he goes, oh, is this when you hit the guy with your car? (laughs) (laughs) And that wasn't a story that I was wanting to share. But once that's brought up, what are you meant to do? I just had to tell the story. The guy's okay. It was his fault. He jumped out in front of me. We think that he was really high. Wow. Because, uh, long story short, he after he rode off my car... Uh, he rode off your car with his body? It was a tiny car and he was quite a large man. Okay. But it smashed through the windscreen. Big man, small car. I walked I around the car thinking the worst. What am I going to find here? But the guy was standing on the footpath and he said to me, uh, can I have a lift to the hospital? Well, not anymore. No, sorry. No, sorry not the hospital, the city. And I go, dude, you just, I pointed to the car crumpled up. And I'm like, I just hit you with my car. And he's like, oh, did you? And then he turned around and walked off. <laughs> he was like, it was like the first hit and run where the guy who got hit ran away. <laughs> That's a great story. Well, I just, I wasn't, at the time, I wasn't, I didn't want to tell it on the radio at that point. You know? do, you, do you punch out after that or do you go, but anyway... What the no, break see, was that's, you know, was supposed you, to be about. Once things have changed course, you got to roll. You got to go with it. Well, so here's what is in the YouTube comments. From what I can remember, the shed story is that at one point in Stephen's adolescence, his dad panicked about the world ending. <laughs> uh, and one night, he took Steve out there and showed him that he had been <laughs> stockpiling food and the apo- food for the apocalypse. Steve told his friend. And Dan thought it would be a great idea to, to tell a girl about the world ending and somehow get a blowjob out of it. And it actually worked. Steve obviously thought it was, a br- was brilliant and tried himself, which was unsurprisingly, which unsurprisingly turned out disastrous. So you're spot on. If that's true, which, you know, it's a YouTube comment. Uh, I feel like Andrew Bolt using comments below his own blog to back up his own point. Um, if that's true, yeah, totally inappropriate. And awful. I've seen a similar thing happen in just conversation with my friends where we were out with a group of friends and there was a couple and one of them said to the other one, yeah, it's like how your dad is a flat earther, he said to his partner. And the girl looked at him and just gave him death eyes and went, and he was like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And that was the indicator that we never bring that up in a group (laughs) setting. So I wonder if it was a similar thing. Steve was just trying to shut it down. ASAP. So there's there's phrases like that which immediately 
ears get pricked and you must know more. <laughs> I know. I'm like, and how bad is it if it is a family member who has like a really shit opinion <laughs> on something? <laughs> Flat earther, prepper. These are all the interesting things we want to hear about. <laughs> Uh, Steve mentions he got into a nightclub on his birthday for free by mentioning him. Mentioning he was an XFM DJ. There you go, guys. If you get into radio, you get free stuff. Uh, which leads to the failed attempt to tell the story of when he tried to bribe his way into a nightclub. Which, are, which is great because it's going so well until it doesn't because he gets a detail wrong. But then Ricky steps in and saves it. Did, uh, was his tactic of bribing... Didn't he pay under the cover charge? Well, that's where he went wrong with the oh, story. Right, was okay. he, he meant to say it was five quid to get in, and he said, I'll give you seven, right. but he, he accidentally said it was ten quid to get in. That was my bribe. I'll give you seven. That's the whole three pounds. No, I, that can't be right. No. No, I, I'm, he must have said a fiver. And I yeah. said, I'll give you seven. Yeah. That makes more that's, sense, doesn't it? That's, that's giving him a two-pound yeah, incentive. Yeah, two-pound incentive. And then I I'll give you seven, you can make up the ten. <laughs> exactly. you, you can, if you let me in, you can put in three yourself, mate. Did you notice this point? Ricky says, we'll buck up our, our ideas, and then points out, I said, buck up. Can I just ask a I quick question? I said, buck up, by the way, just can in I case. Can a quick question? A quick question, though, because I'm listening to answer complaining. My, um... That's I think right. that gives an indication that by this point they've 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 been made aware that a complaint has been made. That's my hot take. Yes. Uh, I my favourite complaint story is one where I was watching a small radio station. I followed all these small radio stations on Facebook because I was obsessed with small radio stations for a while. Most have been unfollowed. I still follow my favourites. If you if there's a small radio station in your area that has great social media, send them my way. But there was one who was doing a live stream when Facebook live streams first came out. Awesome. And they set their camera up in the studio and I was like, you know, just a classic, this is how the studio works. I'm on air for the next, you know, let's go half an hour of me being a jock. And they were, the the energy was really like, I'm the coolest guy that's ever existed. And it's like, this is, these are the buttons. I'm going to talk in a few minutes. I'm so casual, whatever. The phone rings and they pick up and they go, hey, it's such and such, you know, at such and such station. And they kind of almost wink to the camera, like, you know, as if to say, I'm getting calls. Look how famous I am. And then the tone completely changes and the person, all you hear is his side of the conversation that starts going, right. Yeah, no, I'm really sorry. That shouldn't have happened. No, no, you don't need to write in. Yes, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. We 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 apologise deeply for that, and it won't happen again. And then he hangs up. He looks down at the keyboard for a second, and then just goes over to the live stream and turns it off. <laughs> and then thirty seconds later, the live stream has been deleted. So he got a complaint while on the live stream. Decided that he wasn't as cool as he first came across, and then and then decided to end said live live stream. If that was planned, that would be a great comedy bit. It, it wasn't planned. It wasn't planned. You have so you've never you never got a complaint. I never got a complaint. I once at qu- quarter past midnight, I thought it was safe to reveal the truth about Santa. No, you can't do no, that. No, you can't do that. And so someone called up and they had their eight-year-old kid in the car. Well, and they said, why were they in the car after midnight? That's what I thought. And I gave plenty of time. I said what I was going to do. And I, gave, oh, you I gave, gave time to turn away. You gave a content warning. Yeah, I gave a you content gave a trigger warning. warning. And so the person, I think, thought it was funny. They, uh, I don't think that they 
were actually too upset. But that's probably the closest. People around me took it more seriously than the person complaining did. Sure. People were like, you can't do that. I'm like, well, no one... I don't think anyone was upset. Yeah, on the breakfast radio show that I'm anchoring at the moment, there was some talk about the Tooth Fairy, and there might have been some allusion to the Tooth Fairy being made up. And, yeah, a lot of complaints about that. You can't... You can't... I've got the kids in the car. Kids in cars. Further tangent, and we will get back to the episode in a second. Because you worked... I've done mid-dawns. You've worked till late in the night. Mm. Have you ever had... Did you ever get those calls who would just ring up to abuse you? Uh, Well, we had a producer. (sighs) Lucky you. (laughs) So they take those calls. And if that ever happened, they didn't put them through. Oh, really? (laughs) People who didn't want to just offer some feedback? No, we never... You know, we're a very light-hearted show. So we were never tackling things that that would get abused for, I don't think. Not from memory. No, just... So, when I was doing mid-dawns and it was just a jock shift. Yeah. It was like a development jock shift. I had, like, a guy call up just telling me to kill myself. Really? Jeez. What, because, oh, what, referring to... Oh, I, I think he was just out. He'd been out with friends. He'd had dinner maybe seen a movie, maybe had a lovely night out and, and heard the radio in the car on the way home and thought, I know what I need to do. I need to call up and abuse this guy. Also, a bit more lighthearted, had a call, because you're always desperate for calls because that's, you know, one of the skills you're trying to develop is how does it sound when you're interacting with callers? Um, answered the phone. Guy's there saying like, hey, I'm like, hey, what, are you, what are you up to? He goes, oh, I'm just uh, just here with my partner. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, we're just, uh, we're both nude. I went, all right, awesome. He goes, yeah, we're just having some fun. Uh, I can send you a photo if you'd like. I went, no, thanks. Hung up. What time then of I, night was this? This was after midnight. Yeah. Yeah. And then I used... Did you air that call? No, I, I recontextualize it to make it sound like he was requesting a Kesha song. Right. No, oh, but very clever. <laughs> this is Which I did this, a lot of. This is what I've realized is like uh, the, the worst calls. When you first start out in radio, you want the calls which they have during the day, which are heavily coached, if not totally fake, which is like, you're like, hey, what are you up to? And they're like, woo, we love 106.4 and we're just hanging out with all the girls. Hey, uh, girls, say hello. About. You're talking and negatively like, about radio. I don't everyone's know what you're like, about. we can't wait for the next Justin Bieber. <laughs> but those are so boring. But that's what you want when you first start out. And so you get all these weird calls when you're in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, no one's pumped up for the new Justin Bieber. Those are the best calls. The amount of calls... I remember once a guy called up when I was working for a community station and they're like, hey, uh, do you know what's on... Um, they didn't send out the TV guide this week. What's on at 9.30 on Channel 9? And I go, who That's do you think... That's a great question. Who do you think you've called? And they're like, I haven't I called Channel 9? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, this is a radio session. And they're like, sorry. And I was like, well, I could probably tell you. I was like, I'll just look it up. And he was like, yeah, okay. So I looked it up. It was Superman. He wanted to know when Superman 2 started because he thought it started at 9.30, but it was 9.30 and Superman 2 hadn't started yet. And then, like, I was, like, so disappointed. And then I realized later, I'm like, I had the recording. I'm like, I'm going to air that call because, to me, that's way better than someone requesting Justin Bieber. And so it's all these, like, weird calls that you get that you think at the time you're so self-conscious and you're like, oh, everyone, you know, thinks I'm doing such a bad job and I'm getting all these weird calls. I'm like, no, air those weird calls. They're the best ones. Weird ones are the best ones. But... That reminds me of, um, 
I love when, when I'm in a shop and someone thinks I work there yeah. and they ask me a question and I just try to help <laughs> answer it. Like, where's the, where's the new release fiction? And I go, I don't work here, but I think it's over there. Well, you do tell them that you don't work there, though. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's not like an improv game where you adopt the personality of someone who works there. Sort of. Yeah. But it's Brechtian. I let them know that it's fake. Yeah, okay. So and then we move I was on. considering doing that at Bunnings, you know, the big uh, <laughs> but it's hard to, hardware it's warehouse. It's hard to mistake a... No, no, I was going to go in in a red polo <laughs> and car keys and just walk up and down the aisles. And when people ask me questions, I'd give really detailed building advice, but I don't know anything about building. And just see how long it would take to get caught out. Do you right. think that's a good idea? You're married and have a newborn. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> no, it would be for content. I would record it. it. This wasn't just for a Saturday afternoon. You know what I feel like doing today? Uh, um, oh, here's a moment. When they turn to Carl and uh, Ricky turns to Carl and says, why don't you contribute something? And then Carl says, I was just thinking there's nobody who looks like Steve. And then Steve reacts... That is outrageous. Although, ironically, it has saved us. That feels like a turning point there. First of all, it feels like Carl is deliberately telling a joke. Mm -hmm. And Steve, instead of, um, instead, of, instead of addressing the insult, embraces it as what it is. I feel saying, like there's times where they, Ricky and Steve, don't, you know, they're so hard on Carl in a way that, um, is unfair. So, for example, in this instance, they ask him to contribute and then they criticise his contribution. <laughs> it's like, well, you, you, I feel bad for Carl. Uh, but Carl, uh, Carl uh, again, just sitting there thinking about something they were talking about five minutes ago. Uh, so they reference Christian O'Connell, who by the time you're listening to this, hopefully you will have heard uh, my exclusive chat with Christian about working at XFM during this time. If you haven't heard it yet, look for it in the feed. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. Uh, they reference that Christian is giving away a trip to Salem, Massachusetts. <clears throat> so weird. Steve says it's a crap place to visit. Uh, then Ricky tells the go-kart story. Yeah. Which, have you seen Animals, his first stand-up special? Uh, you know, when it came out 15 years ago. That's, that's the encore, uh... is the go-kart go story. Which you'll hear happens occasionally is he he workshops his stand up ideas on this show and and you can tell you can hear it you can hear he's going into a rehearsed bit don't you think? don't you love when you see comedians on talk shows where <coughs> the host obviously just knows the bit and will just like lobby up so uh, anything interesting happened on the flight over here and then they obviously have 10 minutes on airline yeah. food yeah. I just hate that so much do you? well when the comedian is sitting in the couch pretending that they, they're they saying this for the first time it's okay when you're on stage because you know we understand what it is but I don't know I feel like that when you're sitting on the couch feigning a conversation I don't yeah, know. yeah 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 when really it's a well rehearsed yeah it's a well rehearsed bit. bit of talking points when Ricky says Carl's heart isn't in it, Carl replies, I was all right today, but Steve's really dragged me down. <laughs> so, again, like Steve makes the important decision. He doesn't take the bait. Uh, you know, like the earlier episode, he says, well, Carl, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, this is a great place to talk about my loneliness. Instead, he keeps it fun and go, hits back to Carl with, have you ever tried to get into the Monarch for free? <laughs> hang, out, hang out with me and you will. Um, 
seeing we're both in radio, I love this uh, ironic piece of uh, broadcasting here, the sarcastic throw to a solicit. Rick, would you love to hear from the listeners if maybe they've received some amusing gifts? No. No, I wouldn't. Um, the... I'm pretty sure I've done that phone with you know on shows I've been a part of a few times. Of course. The what are your go-to crutches to make sure you get calls? These guys don't air calls. Do they ever air calls? They do when they start. Okay, so one of the legendary games of this show is uh, Rockbusters, hmm. and at first they do it with live callers. Okay, and it does not work. Yeah. Okay. And anytime they go to callers, it sucks the life yeah, out that of it tends to be the way generally yeah i always feel like well why would the general member of the public be better at broadcasting than the person who's paid to do it i don't i think the general public though they have amazing stories to tell yeah that's some sometimes that's I mean, on the show that I anchor, we just did What Did You Dig Up in Your Backyard? Yeah. Or as, as long Some as... Some awesome and, stories yeah, came through. Well, that, as long as it's easy for them to participate. I feel like sometimes yeah. people make it very difficult to but, participate. So games and stuff are good. Yeah. Um, but in terms of what's my go-to... Like, because I'm the anchor. So my role is just to... Is I am basically like the MC of the show. Is if I get a sense that... Uh, Calls might struggle. I just dangle prizes. I go, call now. We've got tickets to go see Lawrence Mooney. What we would do, which always works, is no one's going to call. I don't reckon we're going to get a single call for this. I don't think we'll get a single call. Yeah, that's the greatest challenge. If you ever hear anyone doing that, they're currently looking at an empty board. (laughs) They know what they're doing. Uh, Carl referring to uh, Steve's dad. It might be just about to, might be listening. It might just be about to get another break. <laughs> but here's him slagging up his gifts. But what is he, he does a great joke there. What? Well, is there a chance that your dad's like on the way into London now and has heard you saying, oh, yeah. he got me this and he got me that. And he could be like nipping to a shop now to buy you a rake and thought. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Just think of that. And that, that's, I think the first, the first big laugh from Ricky yeah, at something and Carl says. And see, that's, isn't there what was questions for a long time does carl know he's funny you know mm. like the whole thing was like when those shows first came out that he's a part of the meaning moaning of life and idiot, idiot abroad. abroad everyone's like he's so funny and he doesn't know it no, no i think he knows it yeah. he's trying to be funny that's yeah. a joke and that's yeah. a really good joke the one about just getting the he's just bought you a rack but they're genuine thoughts and observations yes. i think that's the thing that's the difference it. he's he's uh the distance between like the personality that he puts across and his genuine person yeah. are pretty close. Whereas for a lot of other people, they're quite far apart. I don't know about you, but I'm with Ricky. I hate winner stays on pool. Yeah. Fubs. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have an opinion on it, but why it's do you hate word. it? Well, because exactly what Ricky says. You go there with your, like you with a friend or your girlfriend, and you, yeah. and you want to play pool. But then you have to challenge the current occupant too competitive for a to social setting. That you, well, it's just I don't want to play with a stranger. Yeah. What do you? And usually they're you know as as Ricky points out they're really committed serious players. Well, winner stays on in any social context is a bit unfair, isn't it? Well, mm. I guess it's fair, but it's a bit uh, weighted towards having an ability to do it because all you're doing is that person who's good is just getting better. Except winner stays on beer pong. Yeah, they're sort of diminishing returns the longer you stay on. This is the, um, you know, 
this is the wealth gap in in uh, the the wealth gap in pub pool. It's we have a wealth gap in the economy in society. The one percent are getting richer and richer, and then the same things happening in pubs. The sharks getting are getting better and better and poorer. I uh, want to try a new segment before we wrap up. Is it still a relevant reference? So Almost th- certainly no. So things that are referenced in this show, are they still relevant? The Monarch in Camden, still okay, relevant. yeah, fair enough. Some good reviews, some not so good reviews, some pretty hectic accusations about the uh, bouncers there. Shed 7, yes, still a band from York. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly. Because I listened to this episode a couple of days ago and I had to, like, phonetically Google what Steve says. Is it <laughs> Shaka Demi and Pliers? Mm. That tease me, tease me. Oh. <laughs> that, that little bit at the end? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes, still a relevant refer- reference. So, we come to the key phrases charting the development of Ricky and Carl and Steve's relationship. One that I got from this week's episode is Ricky saying, it's those staring eyes. There's nothing behind them. It's this little bald head. It looks like Davros looking at me. <laughs> Did you identify any others? No. Key phrases. Uh, the one repeated, I think, in this one still is Ricky's, uh, he's done you. He's done you. And is that does that continue on? No, no. That? They move on. They move on from that. Oh, see, because I like that. Gradually... Gradually, Carl comes to the forefront yeah, and okay. Steve moves aside. Okay. Uh, Favourite bit? Uh, probably the CD of speeches. I thought that was pretty funny. The cassette of Winston Churchill's speeches. Just the inappropriateness of giving that to your child. And, and even if they were into that, it's kind of a weird gift. Like, why would he... Like, it, the reason why you'd be into that is kind of concerning to me. <laughs> like, if your kid was that interested in wartime speeches, at what age, you know... You know, in their primary school, wouldn't you kind of be going like, uh, "We're going to get you some pop music instead." He may, maybe Steve's dad really wanted him to be a politician, a wartime leader. Do you think that men have a disproportionate love of that? Have what? you noticed that in your own life? The What's interest that? in World War Two. Oh. Of, of, of uh, yeah, my dad. Yeah, hundred. <laughs> like you look on the bookshelf, it's all and like, to Brooke. And, like my dad didn't live through it. No, no, no. no so like, I don't understand the obsession. I mean, I am interested. I, I'm a sucker for a documentary about Nazis. Oh, yeah. I was sick last year for a week, and I did watch ten hours of yeah. World War Two. It's, it's a fascinating time but in it, modern but, but history. But what I'm saying is, it seems disproportionately men seem disproportionately or interested in it. Because oh, we'd be the ones sent to the front line, Zach. Right? Imagine ourselves there. Uh, there's a later episode where Car- where where Steve does admit to uh, the slight guilt of thinking if he was around in Nazi Germany, he'd be all right because he's tall and blonde. (laughs) Well, he later plays a Nazi in Jojo Rabbit. He does too. Yeah. Wow. Full circle. We've come back full circle. Uh, That's it. Season one, episode three. We're done. Email us. What's it called? Uh, CarlyPilkBoysPod at gmail.com. All right, Zach. See you on the next one. Bye. I don't like moaning anyway, just... <laughs> <laughs>